a lot of the guys that I work with have had one experience in particular where they were really embarrassed, maybe had a really negative reaction from a partner, and that's really stuck with them, sure. is, is that feeling of shame and embarrassment that they're less than a man and that they can't satisfy a woman. That thought just perpetuates itself. Men are suffering in silence in a way that I think most women have no idea. It only takes one experience where you don't last long enough or you can't get it up. Your whole identity can just crash and you can feel severely depressed and feel that shame and, and avoid women and intimacy. It's a really serious issue. And I think 99% of the men who get on a call with me, I'm the first person they've ever told. And I'm not that available. You know, like to know that there's really no one for people to talk to is sad and it's scary. And I saw a statistic, 85% of men with performance anxiety are not comfortable telling their doctor that they have ED or premature ejaculation. So you can't even tell your doctor. It's highly untreated and yeah, just not spoken about. To experience premature ejaculation, to experience erectile dysfunction based on everything we've talked about, all of these pressures from society, it would be normal to have performance anxiety under those conditions. So don't think you're broken. Don't think that something's wrong with you. It's like there's plenty of reasons why and there are ways to fix it. Welcome to the Heart of Man podcast, a podcast for any man seeking to live in alignment with his deepest core and lead a life of profound meaning and connection. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and I'm here to empower you through transformative conversations, eye-opening insights, and practical wisdom. Join me now as we venture into the heart of man. Let's dive in. In this spicy conversation, I had the great fortune of welcoming Alex Grendy to the podcast. Alex is a men's sex coach who helps men to overcome performance anxiety, erectile dysfunction, and premature ejaculation. His expertise lie in empowering men to become sexually sovereign, feeling more confident as lovers, and cultivating deeper connections with their intimate partners, both inside and outside the bedroom. Before entering this field of work, Alex personally experienced all kinds of challenges and insecurities within the bedroom. And despite having had a number of sexual experiences, he consistently felt disconnected from himself and his partners, often experiencing fear, anxiety, or relying on substances to navigate his sexual encounters. Determined to find a path to deeper peace and connection, Alex personally embarked on a journey of self-exploration so he can come into a deeper understanding of the challenges he was having. Along this journey, he quickly discovered the importance of taking ownership of our own sexuality, drawing from his research in the fields of Taoism and Tantra. Fascinated by his learnings, he decided to bring more attention to it. And after being suggested to speak to a sex coach, Alex immediately felt the calling, eventually connecting with multiple coaches specializing in the realm of sexuality to bridge the gaps in his knowledge and understanding. Now I'm aware that the topic of sexuality can be a charge point of contact for many, including myself before I began my own journey of unpacking this area in my own life. But over the years, I've come to recognize this to be an essential conversation. Reflecting on my own personal journey and the many men I've had the opportunity to speak with and coach, the challenges within our sexual expression and how we can become more responsible are more prevalent than ever. Within our society, I've come to recognize the lack of education that's truly needed in this field 
with the exposure of distorted messages through pornography and a lack of competence to navigate our own sexual desires, the confusion and disconnect from many men is increasing. My sincere hope with conversations like these is to offer men a new context beyond what they've been taught, inviting them into deeper self-acceptance, responsibility, and connection within their own sexuality. By exploring this topic openly and honestly, my aim is to provide insights that can empower men to reclaim their sexual sovereignty, create the safety that is needed within intimacy, and foster stronger connections with their partners. I trust that you'll find this conversation as immensely valuable as I did. Alex Grandy, welcome to the Heart of Man podcast. Thanks for having me. How are you doing today? Really good. I felt really excited for this conversation. You know, it's interesting that we have a very similar friend circle, but we've never actually had a real opportunity to connect. And so I was really happy that you said yes to this conversation. And the intention is to go on a deep dive of sexuality. You know, you being a men's sex coach, this is something that I really feel is needed to talk about. And I want to just preface this conversation by sharing that I've really been on a deep dive myself or last two years, I'm going to say, of claiming, I'm going to say, more sovereignty over my own sexual energy. And I didn't notice until I started diving into that how much sexuality was dictating my life, but in such a way because I didn't have, I'm going to say, responsibility over it yet. And so I've been diving into it through various modalities like Taoism and Tantra, and I must say it has had a huge change in my life, um, depending on my relationships with women, depending on how I show up for myself, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually, and even physically, and as well in my own business. So I want to just preface that this is a really important conversation that where we may go into sexuality, but at the same time, it feels so much bigger than that, at least to me. I would love to hear what are your reflections on, um, yeah, why this topic is even important. And perhaps you can share with our audience how you got into this topic. Yeah, thank you. So it, it's it's really nice to hear that from you, that you've been on this journey and you've felt the effects in your own life. And I think for a lot of the men who come to me with a very specific sexual problem, they think it's just a sexual problem, right? But it expands so much deeper. And it's typically something that's affecting various things in our lives and then also manifests itself in the bedroom. So connecting deeper to yourself, connect, connecting deeper to your sexuality will bring you closer to you, you know, and enable you to have just a better life and a better experience. Um, but the reason why I got into this work and why I have such a deep connection to it is because sexuality and sex in general was something that I would say was, I was the least confident in, in my life. This was like, I felt like I had everything else, but that was the one thing that I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to be good in bed. I don't know if I'm going to satisfy her. So to be able to shift that after, you know, 15 years of really not having a very good sexual experience, and at least in my opinion, you know, my experience was of fear and anxiety. Mm. Maybe my partners thought, oh, he was okay. You know, he was pretty good. Yeah. I don't know. But for me, my experience wasn't what I wanted it to be. Mm. I wasn't free. I wasn't feeling so much pleasure. I was in performance and in anxiety. Yeah. 
So could you speak to some of that fear and anxiety and just preface what was actually happening for you? Yeah, sure. So for me, it was a number of different things, but it would be about size and not knowing if I'm going to be big enough mm. or, you know, comparing myself to men in porn right. and other men in my life where I was just like, whoa, I don't look like that. Mm. So, you know, how am I going to be able to satisfy a woman? And, you know, that was one of my deepest insecurities and fears that kind of guided a lot of my anxiety. Um, and yeah, just also not really knowing anything about sex, you know, doing what you see in porn and what you think is the right thing, but not really having an education and yep. just kind of flying blind. And yeah, I, I was going into basically every sexual interaction with either fear and anxiety or I was like medicated on marijuana or alcohol. So if I had those substances, then I had an excuse and I was kind of able to still have an experience, but I was disassociating. I wasn't really connected to my partners, mm -hmm. you know. Um, I was even at some points like watching porn before my partner would come over so I could have images and things in my head to disassociate during sex. Right. Mm. So I've experienced like every performance anxiety on the spectrum from like premature ejaculation, erectile dysfunction, delayed ejaculation, so the inability to ejaculate during sex. Mm. And it's all coming from the same place that I was just worried that I'm not going to be good enough or that it's going to be bad. And that fear just drives it. I can very much relate to that personal journey. And um what comes up for me is how much of our identity as be of being a man is wrapped around sex, right? Mm -hmm. Can you maybe speak a little bit around maybe the expectations that we as men have in how we should show up in the bedroom and who we should be as men in order to be seen as good enough? Yeah, and I think my kind of uh, interpretation of that or from watching movies and growing up in popular culture is like, you have to be good in bed right. or else you're not a man, yeah. you know? And that's the expectation. Mm. Whereas like now knowing what I know, the expectation should be that we're not good in bed, mm. actually. That should be the baseline. Yeah. Hey, we don't know anything about sex. Mm. Let's learn together. Let's try and improve this. Yeah. But it's like the, the baseline is, oh, you have to be dynamite in bed the first time or else like you're out. And that is a huge pressure and yeah. expectation. Mm -hmm. And from all of the movies and TV shows that I grew up watching, even I didn't watch it, but it's like Sex in the City and like sure. all of these shows where there's main characters that have big penises. And like the, the whole storyline is about how good these men with big penises are in bed. And it's just like, okay, what happens if you don't have a big penis? You know, mm -hmm. like what do those guys do? And yeah, that, that pressure from movies and popular culture, I think has a huge impact on men. Yeah. This is really interesting because, you know, there's a few topics that arise for me as I hear you. Uh, first of all, the lack of education, but then as well, how our culture and the society is influencing us in subtle ways. Whereas at the same time, we don't have the environment to really talk these things out. I mean, Everything that you spoke about, I can very much relate to that. And at the same time, what I noticed is I never had the environment where I could really share about these things because just the thought of 
speaking to another man about the about this um, already brought up the fear that I, he may not see me. He may see me as not being good enough as a man, right? And so, what I see in my experience and having spoken to a lot of men as well around this, you know, this is something that we keep in secret, right? And in many ways, the influences that we have around education are, you know, maybe religion, maybe porn, maybe how we grew up in our family dynamic and how sex was being portrayed in that dynamic, but then as well our school education. So those I see are kind of like the main influences that dictate um, our education around sex. And from my experience, that is incredibly limited. Yeah, it's nothing. <laughs> so how did you get into this topic uh, and going into a deep dive? So we've heard your challenges. We've heard um, the absence of information or understanding around sexuality. What brought you into the space that you wanted to learn more about it? Yeah, so I was on my own kind of self-exploration, trying to learn more about myself and connect deeper to myself. And on that journey, I realized the importance of sexuality just through reading books on Taoism or Tantra. Mm. And I just kind of went down this wormhole of like, oh, okay, this is a really important part about me getting to know myself and understanding what I want and need to thrive as a man or a human. And that rabbit hole just took me down so many different avenues and eventually to a conversation with a friend who was like, have you ever, I'm working with a sex coach. And I was like, what is that? What in the world is a sex coach? And he explained it to me and shared the contact. And I just started researching this idea because I had never heard of it before. Um, spoke to, you know, that man uh, and various others to just get more data and research. Like, what are they teaching? What don't I know? How can I learn? And I just signed up and worked with them all without knowing that this could be my path, but that like I want to know. I want to learn. Deep dive, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it really kind of hit me right away because even though I had all of these fears, I was still someone who had a lot of sexual experience. So I tried everything kind of thing. And I thought, well, if anyone knows a lot about sex, it would be me. And as soon as I worked with a coach, I realized like, oh my God, I have no connection to myself. I don't know anything about how to have real deep connected sex. So it was a real kind of uh, eye opener. It's like, if I don't know anything about sex, what about someone who's only had one sexual partner yeah. or only a few? So I felt once I really dove deep and kind of completely changed my sex life, I was like, oh, this is something I have to share. Mm -hmm. Beautiful brother. And you, you kind of spoke to one of the challenges that can already present itself, which was the absence of a connection to yourself. Now feeling into the listener, I'm asking myself, well, would there be an understanding of what that even means? And perhaps you can just take a moment to elaborate what it is that you're trying to say when you say you had no connection to yourself and you didn't know what connected sex is. Perhaps you can just expand on that. Yeah. And I think that can be challenging to uh, really understand. But when you, you know, for myself, for example, before this journey, it would be really normal for me to just masturbate to porn have an ejaculation and that was my connection to pleasure mm. is like pleasure and ejaculation mm. 
are synonymous yeah. you know like that's the point mm -hmm. of sex is to have an ejaculation so if that's your understanding and you're happy with that you might be like what's the point of connecting deeper to myself right but there's so much more mm -hmm. and if pleasure and ejaculation is all you know i'd say you're at like 10 percent of your pleasure capacity yeah. so if it's something you want more of and you want to experience deeper than knowing that you can feel pleasure all over your body yeah. you know that this pleasure expanding your connection to yourself means you can have full body pleasure you know that you can experience something just as pleasurable if not more pleasurable than ejaculation without having that kind of release and and the the dopamine release where you're feeling lethargic and, and kind of uh, depressed and, mm -hmm. and that dump, but, uh, or crash. Yeah. So I think for people out there, I just want you to know that there is more if mm -hmm. you want it, Right. you know? And, and I have friends, you know, from home who understand what I do, but they're like, I'm fine with yeah. the way that I'm doing things, you know? Like, I like it my way. Mm -hmm. And that's totally fine too. But if you want more, there is always more. Yeah, I love how you preface that because it, it speaks to an acceptance where another person is and at the same time offering an, another door if someone wants to go through that door. Yeah. Right? And you already spoke to some very juicy topics that I would love to dive into with you, which are porn and as well. What I would speak of uh, is cultivating a sense of responsibility over our own seed, let's say. Mm. Um, but before we dive into that, something that I want to as well speak into when it comes to that connection to ourselves, what I see as incredibly important is cultivating that connection to one's sensation, connect, uh, cultivating a sense of connection to our own body and really building a level of attunement towards what is happening inside. You spoke to one of the challenges that was present for you was, you know, being, I guess, in a more disassociative um, element. And what I hear from a lot of men that I speak with is that a big challenge for them is that they're not very connected to their body, their sensations, their feelings, uh, and are more in their heads. And I imagine that really as well limits the sexual experience that one can have. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and that when I say you want to connect deeper to yourself, mm. the most men, their only connection is a very limited connection to their penises alone, yeah. right? Like that's their pleasure experience. It's like hand, penis, eyes are looking at a screen, you know? So complete disconnection from the rest of their body and yeah it's just a really limited experience yeah. and you might think that it's still good mm. and it it kind of is it's yeah, still pleasure absolutely. you know but it can be so much more and and i think the norm is complete and utter disconnection mm. and when i start working with men and they start to explore the sensations all over their body and they're connecting to their breath and they're moving their energy they're in awe of what they can experience. Yeah. And they're just like, what is this? I've never felt anything yeah. like this before. And yeah, it's because they're just so disconnected. Hmm. Yeah. And to a certain degree, I feel like 
that is the path that we unconsciously are all guided into as men. You know, I mean, there is this cultural understanding or belief, this stigma that we as men should not feel our emotions or we shouldn't be disconnected from our emotional landscape. And so if we are disconnected from that, that will, of course, naturally inhibit our the sexual experience that we have. But at the same time, we do like we are living life, right? So we have experiences that impact us. And so if we don't have the like, first of all, the understanding of our emotional landscape and what's happening, but at the same time, we don't cultivate um, a level of competence to be with it and as well learn how to move it. Um, we may go for those quick experiences like, you know, turning up the porn and going for the ejaculatory release because that's the only way we know how to navigate um, the sensations that we're experiencing within. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, as you're saying that, what comes up for me is, is a lot of the times when we're going for that quick release and ejaculation, it's because we don't want to feel certain emotions yeah. that we're feeling, you know? So it's to run away Mm. and disconnect yeah and how is that connected to some of the challenges that arise in the bedroom like performance anxiety like erectile dysfunction premature ejaculation yeah it's completely connected mm -hmm. you know uh everything that's happening in your life your stress levels what you're not communicating maybe you have something you really want to say to your boss or your mom or your you know your parents or your partner and when you hold that in, it's going to be stored as tension in the body and create more stress and more anxiety. And that just builds and builds. And, and as you just stack on top of that, you're just going to be like a walking in a walking ejaculatory state mm -hmm. where your body is just either so much in fear and tension that when you do try to get intimate, you're going to experience erectile dysfunction or premature ejaculation. So you need to know how to regulate yourself and you need to clear these emotional blocks yeah. in order to have a thriving sex life. Right. So when a man comes to you with some of these challenges, how do you start navigating that? And how do you help the man to regulate their emotional landscape and as well cultivate a little competence over it? Yeah, well, I have it devised in like an exact process where they start in a specific place and that is just connecting to themselves yeah. you know first things first learn how to connect to your breath during times of stress mm. and that alone can be like this huge light bulb moment where they're like what like i can get back in my body you know they're just living in their heads maybe they haven't taken a breath all day right. you know and to now get the awareness and even understand what awareness is around their stress, where it happens when it's like, oh, I can breathe and this can subside and I can get back into my body and not go into a spin. That alone can be enough for a man to cure this type of, you know, performance anxiety. So that's step one. And um, that already will have a huge impact, but then it is about learning how to connect to your body in a new way and basically unlearning everything you did before. And that is cultivating a practice of self-pleasure as opposed to masturbation for ejaculation. What is the difference if you can just speak into So that? yeah, for, for me, the difference is like masturbation would be a means to an end. Yeah. 
you know, where it's like, I want to ejaculate. And this is not a universal definition. This is how I use it. Uh, and self-pleasure for me would be, it could end in ejaculation, but it's more about me connecting with myself. Mm-hmm. It's more about me giving something to myself, where I think as my view of like the old way of masturbation would be me kind of taking something from myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. self-pleasure can be very supportive and like an amazing way to connect and you know learn all of these different types of pleasure sensations. It doesn't have to result in an erection or an ejaculation and it can still be this amazing feeling. Um, and then knowing your arousal like understanding what happens in my body when I stimulate myself in a certain way. What happens when I slow down? What happens when I speed up my breath versus slow down my breath? So you learn all of these different things about you with yourself. So when you're with a partner, it's like second nature. Oh, I can see I'm losing my breath. I need to slow down. Maybe the kind of inclination is always that a woman wants it hard and fast then you catch yourself you're like wait this isn't sustainable that like this isn't how i'm gonna last as long as i want so i need to slow down change my breath and get back into my body you know and knowing your point of no return that point of ejaculation is extremely important so you can stay i don't know between like 60% of that to know you're in control. Like, oh, I'm not even close to ejaculating. I can go much, much longer instead of like, boom, bring yourself right up to the top. And from my own, is there anything else that you wanted to add to that? Yeah. So I want to just reflect a few things that you said. So first of all, it, it sounds to me like one of the first aspects that seems to be really, really important is first of all, slowing way, way down, right? And then the other thing as well is breath, right? And I want to preface, you know, over the last two years, I've been on a deep dive uh, into the breath, you know, with our mutual friend, Edward Dangerfield. And I noticed how, you know, without even pursuing that intentionally, I noticed how my sex life completely changed Mm. once I started diving into a deeper understanding and deeper sovereignty over my own breath, because there was a level of attunement that I then started noticing when I would be having sex and a deeper felt connection over what is happening inside of me as I'm engaging with somebody. And as you say, you know, when the moment of deep arousal would come where, you know, if I continue for another 30 seconds, that ejaculation would happen. I then had, I guess I'm going to say a deeper choice point to understand, oh, maybe I don't want that right now. So let me just slow a little bit down. And from my own understanding of, you know, my past, I didn't really have that, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like the ejaculation would come all of a sudden and it it felt unexpected and it was just something I had complete, a lack of awareness over and no understanding of, right? So um, I absolutely see the value in what you just shared. Yeah, thank you. And I think when you start practicing and, and you have these tools, you understand also if you're really nervous before you're about to have sex with someone, then it's probably not gonna go in the way that you want it to. So really making sure, whoa, okay, I'm feeling super nervous with this partner. Maybe it's the first time we're about to have sex. We're at the restaurant and I'm feeling complete fear and anxiety. 
that's a moment where you either need to go to the bathroom and like reconnect and recenter, take some breaths, or share with the partner to just completely release the stress of like, hey, just want you to know, like, I'm feeling quite a bit of fear around us having some intimacy right now because I really like you mm. or I see a future with you and, and I'm feeling this fear of like, I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. And I'm putting this expectation and pressure on myself. And I personally think that that's like a really sweet thing to say. You know, it's like, hey, I really care about you and I'm nervous to have sex with you. And um, that's just an opportunity to say, hey, is it okay if we took things slow and started with non-penetrative sex and maybe just kind of connected in a different way? And I can't speak for women, but I think most women would be pretty happy to know that the man isn't just looking for sex and that he cares and he wants to connect in a deeper way. So knowing that you don't have to have sex as a man, like I think there's an expectation that maybe men think that they should. And to be able in those moments where you're feeling fear and anxiety to, to slow things down is really important because if you try to override and just have sex when you're feeling fear and anxiety, you're way more likely to experience premature ejaculation or erectile dysfunction. And what you're speaking into for me is that men have a choice in those moments when they want to have sex or not. And at the same time, there seems to be this narrative that we should have sex. We must yes. have sex. And there's this pursuit of validation that then happens. Could you speak a bit more about that and what it is that you see in the men that you work with? Yeah, I think for myself, uh, it is an expectation that, and, and this is kind of the story that I felt I was told, is that men are kind of dogs and men just want to have sex. And that, right. hey, this woman wants to have sex with me, I should have sex with her, whether I want to or not. And that's just so not true. You know, and, and it's important for men to know that you can say no to sex. And that may sound weird to hear, but it's true. I can't tell you how many times I've had sex in my life because I thought I should or because my friends would think it's cool, mm -hmm. you know. Meanwhile, I didn't want to at all. Or, you know, I didn't want to hurt the woman's feelings or something, you know. And it's, you shouldn't do anything. You know, it's whatever you want to do. And if it feels right for you, great, do it. But if it doesn't and you're feeling fear and you're feeling anxiety, don't do it. Yeah. As, you, as you're sharing, I remember this an experience as well where I had, you know, sex with somebody where I, I noticed I, I didn't want to have that experience. And I was already on a path where I was cultivating that relationship with myself and really Mm, cultivating a sensitivity and understanding and a level of acceptance within myself. And I just remember the feeling that was present in my body after the engagement of sex. And it was really this sense of disgust, not towards the person, but towards myself, because I knew that I betrayed myself in that moment. I knew I didn't want to do that. But for some reason, there was this narrative, there was this program inside of me that I should be doing that. This is something I should be pursuing because if I don't have sex with this woman right now, for some reason, I'm less of a man. Mm -hmm. hmm. Yeah. And I've even had women who were, you know, trying to have sex with me say, like, what are you gay? You know? And it's wow. like, really shame me into having sex with you. 
Like that doesn't feel good. And that also creates another story of like, oh, well, if a woman wants me, I need to have sex with her if I'm a man. And it's total BS. So I want to backtrack a little bit and want to speak into this topic around communication from the way I know you. Um, I know you speak highly and you speak to the importance of communicating well with our partners. Um, you spoke about allowing the opportunity to share uh, insecurities, vulnerabilities, discomfort, if they were to arise before we engage in sex. But I know as well that you speak about the importance of sharing our desires, sharing our um, fantasies, maybe our needs before we even engage in the bedroom with another person. Could you speak a bit more about that and why you think that is important? Yeah, I think for me, I know what I want, you know? So I, if I'm going to be with someone, I want to know that I can get it, Yeah, you know? So if you put yourself in a situation where you don't ask those questions, there's more of a likelihood that you won't get what you want. Sure. So I think opening up that communication is also a really playful way to understand, are we both going to get what we want mm -hmm. or are we going to disappoint each other? Yeah. You know, and if that co conversation arises and it's aligned and it's connected and you're like, well, I want this. And you're like, oh, I would love to do that. And, mm -hmm. and vice versa. Then there's a buildup of yeah. this energy and excitement where you're like, oh, when are we going to do this? You know? Uh, and I think most people would believe that that kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah. To me, it's the exact opposite. Hmm. Like, I want to know. Yeah. That charges me up, you know, and to get the reaction that to know that my partner wants to do it or is open to it sure. versus guessing, you know, and then potentially being with a partner who's completely disconnected from their pleasure, which doesn't make them a bad partner, but it just means it's a choice that, you know, I can make that, oh, I would rather be with a partner who's more experienced and has a deep connection to their pleasure and regularly self-pleasures like these are things that are important to me maybe not someone else mm. yeah and hearing you as well like it, it really points to how we can have more connected sex you know by simply engaging in what is it that we want what is it that we need what are some of our fantasies and how do we want to engage in the sexual act and, and make it a bit more intentional right but feeling into the alex of around 10 years ago i'm gonna say um that conversation would have been a no-go and I want to as well feel into maybe the narratives of some of the listeners. And I'm asking myself if there is a bit of a concern around having that type of conversation, maybe because it's awkward or maybe it's going to lessen the chance of uh, engaging sexually because the conversation um, doesn't go the way we want it to. Um, what would you say to that? Yeah, I think the the general consensus might be that you're going to be perceived as weak if you say, hey, I have this issue or I have this insecurity where, you know, you know, just being in your ego and propping and, and pretending like nothing is there is definitely not going to solve anything. Yeah. And anyone with a level of awareness is going to kind of see right through that. But I would say this, when you confidently say, these things, mm. it doesn't matter, mm. right? Because if a woman isn't going to support me in a moment like that where I'm being vulnerable, then that's not someone I want to engage with, yeah. you know? So if I, if I say, hey, I really like you, but, you know, I want to let you know that I've had 
some insecurities and anxieties in the bedroom and I'm working on them, but I want to take things slow. And she's like, oh, you know, it's like, thank God I didn't sleep with her. Really? Yeah, that's I'm not like devastated. I'm not embarrassed to me. I mean, I would have been before, too, when I was deeply like in that ego and pride based identity. But now it would be like, oh, wow, this is just totally not aligned. I'm really glad we didn't get intimate because then that could have been really bad. Yeah, and whilst you're sharing, you know, about these vulnerabilities, the the aspect of, you know, maybe tenderness being present, if that can be fully owned, if that if there can be a level of responsibility over it and and shared with a level of directness of just, hey, this is where I'm at, I believe that is confident. Like that is that is expression of confidence. It doesn't have to be, oh no, I don't have any challenges, I don't have any limitations, weaknesses. That to me isn't confidence. It's the full acceptance of this is where I'm at, this is me. Yeah, and I encourage the men in my program to use the fact that they're in my program as a, a vote of confidence. Uh-huh. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm in this program and, you know, I'm a loser. It's like, no, I'm working on my my sex life. Yeah. It's important to me. Mm-hmm. And I want to be able to pleasure my partners yeah. better. And that's sexy. That's romantic. Mm-hmm. You know, you bring that to your partner, your wife. Hey, I just invested in myself to be the best lover I could be. Yeah. I mean, I, I died and went to heaven if my partner said that to me, right? Like yeah. that is nothing to be ashamed of. That's something yeah. to be very proud of. I love hearing, yeah, just the, the way you reframe that for the men. And, you know, you kind of already spoke to it, but it seems like shame can at the times get in the way of that. And it seems like there is a really strong connection between shame and sexuality. Can you speak into what it is that you're seeing with a lot of the men that you're working with? on the topic of shame. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of the guys that I work with have had one experience in particular where they were really embarrassed, maybe had a really negative reaction from a partner, uh, and that's really stick, stuck with them, Sure, is, is that feeling of shame and embarrassment that they're less than a man and that they can't satisfy a woman. And that thought just perpetuates itself. And it happens, if it happens multiple times, even worse. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, just around the topic of sex, it, it is such a it, it is such a tender topic for many. And as well, it is, of course, extremely shadowed in our society. So I wonder where those men would have an opportunity to really speak about that experience because just talking about it with another person, sharing it with it, sharing about it with another person can already um, maybe reinforce that they're going to see them as, not being good enough as a man, not being weak as a man, right? So it it stays hidden, which only magnifies the shame. Yeah, and you said it earlier, like these men are suffering in silence in a way that I think most women have no idea. You know, it only takes one experience where you don't last long enough or you can't get it up and your whole identity can just crash and you can feel severely depressed and feel that shame and, and avoid women and intimacy. So it, it's a really serious issue. And I think, you know, most of the men who, 99% of the men who get on a call with me, I'm the first person they've ever told. Wow. And I'm not that available, you know, like to know that there's really no one for people to talk to is sad and it's scary. And I saw a statistic, 85% of men with performance anxiety are not comfortable telling their doctor 
that they have ED or premature ejaculation. So you can't even tell your doctor. Sure. So it's it's highly untreated and yeah, just not spoken about. Yeah. And and it's it's really bad, mm-hmm. you know, for men's mental health and I wish it were something that, you know, men were open to talking about and I really appreciate you bringing me here to open that conversation because I try my best on my own platform, but it it, it really means a lot to me. Yeah. yeah. Of course, you know, I mean I, I mean, I want to just name that all the challenges that you are speaking of, you know, whether it's your own personal challenges that you had, whether it's the challenges that you um, speak of from other men, I experienced those myself. And to a certain degree, I've worked through them. I'm still working through them. And I just see the importance in this conversation, you know. Um, thank you as well for sharing openly around, yeah, the the topic that men are suffering in silence, right? And that a lot of people may not know about that, especially women. Yeah. What do you believe, what else would you like maybe women or other men to know about their experience? Firstly, I want to say that it's normal Hmm. and it's common, unfortunately. So to experience premature ejaculation, to experience erectile dysfunction based on everything we've talked about, all of these pressures from society, it would be normal to have performance anxiety under those conditions. So don't think you're broken. Don't think that something's wrong with you. It's like there's plenty of reasons why. And there are ways to fix it. You know, so I think another thing is when I talked about sharing with women about performance anxiety, there might be this assumption that men, that women don't experience it, but they do. Everyone does. Again, it's really normal to be worried about someone seeing you in the most vulnerable, you know, completely naked, stripped away. Everyone has insecurities. We're human, you know? So being able to open that conversation and lead that conversation as a man, I think is powerful because the woman you're with might say, well, I have trouble having an orgasm and I'm insecure about my breasts. And, you know, you can open this conversation so you know how to support one another. Yeah. Humanizing the experience and humanizing each other, I think that is really, really essential. And at the same time, that is really what is going to enforce deeper intimacy, deeper connection, and with that, a deeper sexual experience, right? I mean, I've had many encounters where it would be more of a short experience. And at the same time, I went very deep with certain people. And I noticed that the deeper I went with another person, the deeper my sexual experience usually was. So, And if I were to reflect on why that is, it is because we understood each other on a deeper level. We we really understood each other's vulnerabilities. We really, und- and we really saw the other person. Right? Mm. It was just, there is this level of depth with which we saw the other person. And with that, the sexual experience that I had was very magnified. Yeah. And that's when you open your heart to someone, right? right? And you get that deep connection. Mm-hmm. Whereas opposed to when you're hiding something, it's closed. Yeah. I'm wondering if you were to mention heart open sex towards maybe some of the men that you speak with for the first time, what would their reactions usually be? 
I wouldn't. You wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> right. I don't think they would understand what that means yeah. or want to know. Yeah. You know, because that's scary probably. Right. Why do you believe it's important? Or why do you believe it's because valuable? That's the truest, most authentic expression of yourself. Sure. You know, men might believe that they, they're supposed to be a certain way in the bedroom and that they want to be like this guy or that guy. Yeah. And it's about being you. That's it. And someone will want that, yeah. you know, if you own it and you're, you know, giving them every part of you, mm. someone will accept you for that. Sure. I think, yeah. And, and feeling into as well, my own experiences, the biggest gift I gave myself was to allow myself to be seen in my full range of experience. Um, one of the biggest gifts that I feel like I received from a recent partner was she wanted the ravisher mm. from me, right? She wanted the part of me that would ravish her. And a part of me was so deeply afraid of going to that part of me because a part of me was afraid that, yeah, certain associations would come alive, right? And that I was afraid that she would perceive me as someone who would abuse my power in mm -hmm. that way. And so I think, um, just being witness in that, being fully received in that and, and noticing as well that was incredibly pleasurable for her to receive me in that energy um, was incredibly beautiful. And at the same time, I noticed that with this person, I had the ab ability as well to show her my most tender sides, you know, where I was, where I would engage sexually. And at the same time, there would be a level of grief coming up, maybe because there was an ending or maybe there was some experience that was happening within uh, my life that was starting to open because we were engaged in, in a, such a deep, intimate act with each other. And yeah, I wanna just preface that there's such a gift in us um, being seen in our full range experience. Yeah, I totally agree. And, and the ravisher, that type of situation comes up for me as well, mm. where I don't wanna hurt anyone. Yeah anyone yeah. you know and i have a fear mm -hmm. of hurting someone so sure. i that's the last thing i want to do so for in order for me to get into my ravisher i need to be someone else so i need to create a role play container where it's okay right. and it's talked about before and it's like hey are you okay with me doing this and that and that's how i can bring that out of me yeah. but i don't want it to be me <laughs> that's the truth yeah thanks for sharing that so openly man i want to segue a little bit uh in our conversation i want to speak about porn because mm -hmm. i feel like porn is one of those big challenges that a lot of men are dealing with and i want to name as well that i dealt with issues around porn for over a decade and i had a very hard time um letting go of porn despite wanting to for a long period of time i want to just um, hear a bit more about what you see as the challenges around porn and what happens um, if we, yeah, I guess have a strong relationship to the platform. I think the first thing is that it's so accessible at such a young age. That's the scariest part for me. Yep. I first saw porn at a time when porn magazines were a thing. <laughs> so we found, you know, some a kid in my class's father's porn stash. Sure. I was in second grade in the U.S. Wow. I think that's like eight years old. Yeah. 
eight years old we're passing around like centerfolds in the bathroom and I'm looking at it and I'm feeling something and I'm going I don't know what this is but I like it a lot you know so we're all as humans we can feel our pleasure at a very young age kids understand their pleasure they don't know what it is but they feel it and so knowing then when you get internet porn it's just like instant gratification and i think it's so dangerous because you're getting something that you would have had to maybe put in a lot of effort for and work quite hard for and now it's so easy and it's so accessible and at the most extreme levels. And I think it was Jordan Peterson. I saw it on a podcast. Like an, any 10-year-old boy can see more beautiful naked women in 30 minutes than the most powerful king in the universe, you know, had whatever, hundreds of years ago. And it, it, it means something. Like it does something to you. And it blows out your like dopamine receptors and, you know, it's so much so fast. And even now when I'm, I really understand my body, I'm in control. If I were to watch porn right now, it would be really difficult for me to control. It's the highest level of arousal, your deepest fantasies, beautiful women or men, whatever. And you just get everything all at once. So... Yeah, I think it's really dangerous in a sense that if you overuse it and it's the norm, that it can create so many different reasons for performance anxiety. Mm -hmm. Comparing yourself to others, not also like porn-induced erectile dysfunction where you're so used to this extreme porn, then you get like, you know, a regular woman in front of you and you're like, this isn't nearly as good. Mm. Yeah. So I think there are a lot of challenges. Mm. Yeah, thanks for sharing that. You know, I'm reflecting back on my own experiences with it. And I have to preface that the first time um, I was really introduced to porn was, I believe I was 12 or so. It was, um, we had a guy's get together in a sleepover where his parents were gone for the weekend. And then I would come and I noticed five guys being on a computer and they were watching pornography. And I was so out of my comfort zone in that moment but it did something with me as well in that moment and i noticed that there was a curiosity that arose and how over the years it it really became the thing i ended up using in those moments when i felt alone in those moments when i felt like there was all these emotions within me like sadness grief shame that i couldn't deal with and ultimately what i was just looking for is some form a way to soothe myself and i imagine that is the experience that a lot of men have that there is a desire to soothe oneself and that is the grasp that brings us into pornography what would you say to that yeah i mean i could say that i wasn't aware of that at all Mm -hmm. you know through my 10 15 year career you know masturbating to porn to me i would use the pretty common excuse of like, well, I'm bored. You sure, know, it's like, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. not bored. <laughs> um, or I just want to have fun. And like, I was horny and feel pleasure. And it's mm. like, no, that's not true either. I didn't want to do my homework. I didn't want to take care of my responsibilities. I felt lonely. Mm. Um, but those weren't 
clear to me until much later on. I mean, I was smoking weed before too. Why was I smoking weed? Because I didn't want to feel any of these things either. Yeah. So when you have a man who comes to you around challenges with pornography, how do you start tackling that topic? So week one of my course is stop watching porn. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Quite <laughs> radical. <laughs> yeah. And I think, first of all, my course isn't how to help men, you know, quit porn. Sure. So there might be other approaches that are way better suited. I don't pretend to specialize in that. Yep. But if you want to have a better sexual experience, stop watching porn yep. and replace that habit with something that's supporting you as opposed to hurting you. Mm. And that's step one. Why do you want to watch porn? If no one ever said this to me, I would just keep doing it the way I was, right? And, you know, I have friends who their interpretation of why they watch porn and masturbate is like, I just had a long day. I'm stressed. I want to release the stress. So it's like a very clear intention to self-soothe, but they don't see it as a negative. Yep. That's like, oh, that's something I do. It's like having a glass of whiskey after work, you know, it's totally normal and fine. And I think, you know, based on myself, my own experience and all the men I speak with, this is the norm that you masturbate to porn your whole life. Mm -hmm. And whether you're in a relationship or not, and that's a big topic, um, but it's just become normal for men to masturbate to porn. And I think men just don't know any different. It would be weird if you didn't <laughs> put it that way. Yeah. Right, so it, it speaks to that this is the common narrative that this is what we should do. and It's this okay. Is, yeah, it's okay, right? And it, the other aspect as well is, yeah, you know, we're stressed and, you know, that is no, um, you know, of, of course there, it's understandable in the sense, you know, we have maybe a long working day and we don't have the tools maybe to regulate ourselves. And so that is one go-to uh, tool to absolutely, um, release some of the tension that may be presenting itself, but at the same time, it's not a sustainable one, right? It's not fixing anything. Yeah. So what I'm hearing is that the importance, if there's a desire to stop watching pornography, is first of all, bring an awareness of what it is that, why are you using pornography in general, right? The question is, what in your life are you running away from right now? Mm -hmm. I wonder how many guys ask themselves, like when they hear that, ask themselves that for the first time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And I can imagine just directing that question inside and really exploring that with them themselves is already in itself an incredibly powerful um, thing to do. Yeah. To turn the mirror and go, yeah. wait, what? Yeah. I'm lonely, you know, and I haven't admitted that. And maybe I'm not over my last breakup or whatever, you know? Yeah it can be heavy yeah and then as well learning the ways of how to move the emotions move the energy that may be present and that may that could be you know starting to go into a men's group or you know talking to a therapist or whatever you know using certain tools in order to move some of that emotion that is present and i can see how you mentioned as well having a self-pleasure practice building our a new relationship to our sexuality, you know, from the old story, which is, you know, I come home from work, 
uh, and I'm going to put on some porn to I'm going to create an environment for myself where I'm going to actually engage with myself consciously and actually build a loving relationship with myself. That could be very much a new story. Do you think that could be a valuable approach for many men um, to explore their sexuality in a new way through the self-pleasure practice? Yeah, exactly. Right. Instead of, okay, how can I escape this? What What is the feeling that I'm feeling? Mm -hmm. And then understanding how can I support myself in that? Yeah. Uh, well, I'm not feeling good about myself. Well, let's not use yourself and, and watch porn to deal with that. How can you actually just give to yourself? Yeah. And for me, through self-pleasure, because it doesn't result in ejaculation, it's it's very intimate and it create it's something that you need to it takes effort create a nice space for yourself create the environment regulate yourself make sure you're calm and relaxed and then spend you know 30 minutes with yourself just for you for some men it's like what like i don't <laughs> deserve this you know why would i do this it doesn't make sense almost. So, and even now, this is something that's a huge part of my life. There are moments where I'm disconnected. I haven't done my self-pleasure practice for a few weeks. And I'm like, wow, okay. How is this showing up in my life? Well, now I'm going on more dates. Now I'm sleeping with people I didn't want to. Interesting. You know, and, and as soon as those triggers come up, mm. if I then self-pleasure instead yeah i'm like i don't want to go on a date with that mm -hmm. person it, it like falls away so fast yeah and this could be a perfect segue for us to speak into i mean the value of self-sourcing our own pleasure taking yes. responsibility for our own pleasure um and and being intentional around when we want to engage with another person and i think it is only when we recognize the power of our own pleasure and taking responsibility for it that we can as well act and act that with someone consciously. Could you speak into the value of resourcing our own pleasure and our own sexuality? Yeah, it's really important because I think when you resource outside of yourself, it's a never ending game. Yeah. Oh, I just had sex last night. Well, what about 10 minutes after I'm looking for the next one, you know, because I didn't give it to myself. I, I still need it from someone else. So I think that's a really difficult road to go down and it's never ending. Yeah. And as soon as you realize, whoa, I'm the one who's supposed to do this. And when I come from a place of I've filled my own cup, then I don't need it from someone else, but I can share it with someone else. And when you have that needing, taking energy, it's really gross. Mm. Yeah. What do you believe? How do you believe it impacts, you know, the our interaction with women? And um, from your experience of working with other men, how do women respond to that? I think it goes both ways too. I want to okay. speak to, uh, I think men definitely use women for validation and I think vice versa. Sure. So uh, yeah, I think it especially doesn't feel good let's just say the other way around where when a woman isn't feeling confident in herself and then asks for sex, that's when I definitely don't want to, you know, I want you at your best when you want me, 
not because you want to feel good about you. Yeah. If you want to feel good about you, go self-pleasure. Mm. Spend that time with yourself. Like when I come together with a partner, especially, I want to know it's because they want to connect with me. And if I'm, it goes the other way. If I'm looking for validation, I think they're going to feel the same. Oh, you just want to quick like masturbate inside of me? Yeah. No, mm. I don't want that. And I think that energy is, is very clear yeah. if you're looking. Yeah, and there's a denial of what's what's underneath that, right? So there's a desire maybe for sex, but what's underneath that is I feel insecure and I feel yes. I'm not good enough. I feel ashamed. And I think just owning that and speaking to that directly, well, then your partner can be in connection with you and maybe your partner can support you within that, right? Maybe in a loving embrace, you know, maybe in... Um, having some intimate connection time, you know, that doesn't need to lead to penetration, but ra rather just allows the other person to feel, um, yeah, accepted and loved, right? Yeah, just show that support and, and say, I would love to support you in your self-pleasure practice, where it's not about me penetrating you, but I'm with you and I'm, you know, helping you feel pleasure. Um, that it's a choice. When you were sharing of having your own self-pleasure practice, you mentioned that there is moments when you decide not to ejaculate. Why do you think that is important? And um, maybe you can go on a like one-on-one -on -one around the importance around, yeah, taking more responsibility over our own ejaculation. Yeah, uh, you know, every ejaculation has kind of a cost mm. and I don't go too deep into this sure. with semen retention, but the basics are they believe that men have a finite amount of sexual energy. So basically the more you ejaculate, the less, the less long you, your longevity will suffer. Yeah. You won't live as long. And um, so being mindful of the fact that your semen, your sperm is a really potent energy. And that it's not something you want to just get rid of every day. And that your body takes a lot of energy to create it. So it exhausts your body every time you ejaculate. And you'll notice if you retain for one week or two weeks that you will have, you know, a little bit more power, a little bit more energy, and your testosterone might increase. And for me, right around like that two weeks mark is perfect. And it's a huge difference. Yeah, this is a really powerful practice that I started exploring around three years ago. And I must say it absolutely transformed my life. It was actually I explored the first time around how to limit ejaculation for an entire month. Mm. Now, before that, that was an absolute no-go. It was something I would pretty much do daily, maybe like a, like a few times a week. Right. It was just a regular practice, how to soothe myself and uh, yeah, release tension, release stress. And so to cultivate that energy within myself, it was a whole new edge. But I did notice how there was an absolute increase within my energy, my motivation and my desire as well to go out and just do things. Right. And mm -hmm. there was a deeper motivation to just take certain types of action. Right. And when I speak to as well as some men around this, um, if there is a frequent habit around ejaculation or watching porn, 
and there is that, I guess, lethargy as a baseline, they won't notice unless they take a week where they don't ejaculate that they will have more energy if they actually allow themselves to abstain from that energy. Yeah, they don't know what they don't know. Right. So they've never tried it yeah. and maybe they're not willing to. Mm. But that's also part of week one for me is, is no masturbation or ejaculation either. And that's also an aha moment for a lot of men. Okay, I can't self-soothe with porn. I can't ejaculate. What does this mean? What happens to my body? Right. You know, and, and men feel it right away. Like, wow, I have so much more energy. And yeah, I think that testosterone boost, that lack of lethargy, it makes you want to use this energy mm. and bring your gifts into the world. And maybe part of that energy also when you're not using porn is to meet women, yeah. you know, to actually, wow, I'm out in a coffee shop. I don't have the option to go and masturbate to porn. I need to talk to a woman if I want to experience intimacy and sex. Yeah. And it, it kind of brings it back to, you know, the old times in a way where, where that was really required and we didn't have the technology that we have nowadays that allows us to, you know, go the quick way uh, in order to get our needs met. Mm -hmm. I'm curious to hear what else do you believe is important for men and women to know? Is there any specific topics that you feel like you want to speak into? Nothing's coming to me off the top of my head. We covered a lot. We did cover a lot. <laughs> yeah, I'm really, I'm really happy about how we covered an incredible amount of ground. Um, I'm curious if you could share with our listeners one practice that they could maybe do over the next week um, to deepen their level of connection with them themselves and actually start their journey of cultivating more sovereignty over their own sexual experience. Sure. Um, I would start with a practice called body mapping, mm -hmm. which is a practice without any expectations. Nothing needs to happen. Nothing is supposed to happen. And all you do is lay down and explore your body with different types of touch without any genital touch. And the entire time you're exploring, you're experimenting, but you're also staying connected to your breath. So without any pressure to perform, you're starting to build this practice of awareness and connection to your body and what am I feeling? And you can also start to play around with your breath what happens when you increase your breath? Does it build your arousal? Do you start to all of a sudden get hard? And what happens when you slow it down? Um, and this is also a beautiful practice to really get to know what are your likes and dislikes? How do you like to be touched? You know, what does it feel like when you scratch yourself? What does it feel like when you pinch or you're really soft and everyone likes something different? So to be able to then know these things and go, wait, whoa, I love this. You know, when you, when I touch my leg in a certain way, like this is something you can share. This is something now you can ask your partner to do. Um, so for me, that's like one of the best kind of practices you can add that I think is so different than what most men are used to experiencing. And it can be quite confronting for men. Mm -hmm. Why do you believe it's confronting if you're sharing that? Because you have to give yourself the pleasure. Hmm. 
Mm -hmm. you know, men are so, hey, that's how I want a woman to touch me. Like that's a kind of womanly thing to do is that you sit and kind of caress your body. Men don't do that. And I think that brings that agency of knowing, hey, I can actually give this to myself. Uh, and when I touch myself, it feels like a woman is touching me and that I don't need to pursue a woman to get that. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I can just see how that could be such an incredibly powerful experience for a lot of men and uh, exercise to explore, to bring deeper understanding to ourselves. Huh. Cool, man. Alex, I really appreciate this conversation. I really appreciate you. I really appreciate the work that you do. I think it's so incredibly needed. I would love to hear, where can our listeners find you? Uh, th thank you so much, by the way. <laughs> uh, this was super fun, and I really appreciate you bringing these topics to light. Um, the best way to find me is YouTube. So just searching my name, Alex Grendy, or checking out my website at alexgrendy.com. Yeah, great. And is there any other maybe resources that you want to um, bring the listeners to, maybe any books where they can start exploring this topic um, in their own way? Yes, I think it depends on where you are in your journey and sure. what you're looking for. Uh, first things first, I would say, if you want free content, go to my YouTube channel. Yep. That You're going to learn a ton. Uh, and I cover a lot of stuff and I do have some book recommendations there. Amazing. Um, I think a baseline book for wanting to learn how to connect to your energy and learn a little bit more about semen retention uh, is The Multi-Orgasmic Man by Montak Chia. That's a really good starter book to just grasp the concepts and, and know that, okay, this is possible. For me, it's not a book that like completely changed everything practice wise, but it really got me interested in the topic. So I think that's a really good book. Uh, another book that I recommended in a video recently is Tantric Secrets for Men. And that's a really good book. There's some like very unbelievable practices there. And it's from a therapist that did a lot of couples therapy. So it's a lot of tried and tested practices for couples. Um, that's a really good one. Amazing, brother. Thank you. Yeah, I'll make sure to put all those resources in the show notes. Um, yeah, other than that, thank you all for listening. And until next time, much love. Thank you for listening to this episode. Your time and attention is truly appreciated. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to subscribe to stay tuned for my upcoming episodes. And in case you know somebody who would find this episode helpful, I encourage you to pay it forward. Finally, if you've personally been receiving value from the show, one way you're able to support this podcast is by leaving a five-star rating and a written review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Not only does this help more people find the show, but it also supports me in bringing more incredible guests on for the future. I'm your host, Alex Lehman, and until next time, signing off.